The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Marion McKeown and Cal Thomas join us to talk about all issues American and I'm going to start with Henry Kissinger at the World Economic Forum in Davos. Henry Kissinger, who of course was Secretary of State in the time of Richard Nixon, architect of the Cold War rapprochement between the US and China, 98 years of age, but still going strong. And I think, Cal, I may have said this to you once, but uh, he's one of the most interesting men that I've ever had the opportunity to sit down and talk with and found him to be really engaging company. But i shocked that the idea that he's floating, that the West, he's encouraging not to inflict a crushing defeat on Russia in Ukraine, that Ukraine must give Russia territory. How could a monster like Putin be rewarded by the West? Would that not just simply embolden him to do other bad things in other parts of the world subsequently? You're absolutely right, Matt. And this is the scenario, of course, that Neville Chamberlain uh, was was promoting. Uh, just give Hitler what he wants and we can aw- avoid another war. Tyrants don't respond to this sort of stuff. They are encouraged by it. And Kissinger, I think, uh, as he addressed the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, was, was absolutely incorrect. He should know better. I mean, Putin has already said he had his designs on restoring uh, the territory of the old Soviet Union. Uh, I think he's looking at uh, the withdrawal from Afghanistan, just like Osama bin Laden looked like looked at our uh, withdrawal from Vietnam. And, he, and Putin is thinking the Americans uh, don't have staying power. Uh, Senator Chris Coons, a Democrat from Delaware, just said today uh, something similar. Uh, Putin is probably counting on uh, Americans' uh, focus on gas prices and inflation and thinks that if he can just hang in a little longer, uh, the support for Ukraine will, uh, will collapse. Because, Mary McKenna, I was reading a piece by Anne Applebaum, who's been a contributor to the programme uh, here on a number of occasions, and she was writing today that the very last thing that the Western world needs to do is give any concessions to uh, Vladimir Putin, allowing him any off-ramp. Uh, but do you, do you think America is likely to put pressure on the European Union and, more importantly, pressure on Ukraine itself to make concessions? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I've been reading a lot of what Anne Applebaum has been writing as well. And I, she, I think she's a terrific writer on the authoritarians and on the strongmen, etc. And on this whole situation, I agree with Cal completely. I think Kissinger really spoke at a turn here. I think what he said was ill-considered and I think it was also inappropriate because precisely for the reasons that Cal enumerated, Putin thinks that the West will buckle, that America will get distracted, will get bored with this, and that exactly as Cal said, that the price, the inflation, gas, etc., that they'll start saying, you know, let the Ukrainians sort it out themselves. And a lot of Americans already feel that way, that a lot of the Republicans, a lot of the MAGA uh, branch of the Republican Party, which is most the Republican Party, um, you had guys like J.D. Vance, incoming um, guys who are elected on the strength, saying we don't care about the Ukraine. Uh, so, And I think you also saw that 11 new Republican senators have now strayed away from the 40 billion aid package and about 50 or 60 congressmen. Um, so there is signs already that the, that very strong rope that the U.S. had, had braided is fraying um, around the edges. And I think that people like Kissinger, uh, who is, I think, thankfully, to a degree irrelevant at this stage, you know, um, and and um, that, but I think he would be better off to have said nothing. Um, and as I say, I, I just agree with what Cal said exactly. I've got little to add to it other okay. than that. 
Well, then let's move to Joe Biden suggesting the United States will defend Taiwan if China invades the country. What do you make of that, Marion? Um, yeah, you know what? There is a law, a U.S. law that, that basically says that the U.S. would give military aid to Taiwan. It's called the Taiwan Relations Act and would give it military means to defend itself. Now, what Biden seemed to say was that it would um, that, that there would be U.S. military involved, which I think is slightly a different thing. The U.S. He said the U.S. military would invent Taiwan against a Chinese invasion. I think he may have misspoken. I think that it, it you know, already his advisors are saying that that's consistent with U.S. policy. But the U.S. policy has always been to keep both China and Taiwan kind of on the back foot and keep them both guessing because they don't want to embolden Taiwan to declare independence and then have China react. And equally, they don't don't want to provoke China. It's a really, it's as, it's as finely calibrated as a Swiss watch. And I think that Biden may have been a little clumsy with it, to be Yet quite Yet again, is this another yeah. example on the global stage of Joe Biden mixing up his words that he may not have the deviousness or the uh, deliberate willingness of Donald Trump to try and stir things up, but that he makes mistakes because he can't put his sentences together correctly, Marion? Uh, no, I don't. I don't agree with that. I think that this is not that he made a mistake. It's a coarser interpretation, I think, of what the U.S. position has been. I think it's it's sort of he needs more finesse. If he hasn't strayed from the policy necessarily, but I think that certainly the U.S. military and and I know that that his defense secretary said that he's basically just stating U.S. policy. But I think I suspect they prefer if he hadn't stated okay. so bluntly. Cal, what do you think of Joe Biden's position on Taiwan? And what should the American position on Taiwan be if China was to invade? Well, he was asked directly by a reporter at the news conference at Tokyo yesterday, if uh, China uh, seeks to invade Taiwan, would you, the president, uh, respond uh, militarily? And he simply said yes. And this wasn't just the first time. This is the third time he has said this as president. Now, either he is confused about U.S. foreign policy or, to be charitable, maybe he's trying to keep Beijing uh, uh, confused and and so as not to act, but uh, our policy should remain the way it has been for over four decades. With the Taiwan Relations Act, we will provide military assistance to Taiwan as we're doing in Ukraine, but not send troops there. Uh, I find it uh, rather incredible that President Biden would say, "Yes, we're going to send troops to defend Taiwan," but he's not going to send troops to defend Ukraine. I mean, what's the difference? The excuse for uh, not sending troops to uh, to defend uh, Ukraine was that Russia's a nuclear power. Well, so is China. What's the difference? OK, I'm going to stay with you, Cal, because uh, your old pal, Vice President Mike Pence, has been described by Donald Trump's spokesperson as desperate and irrelevant. Uh, is Pence... Talk about the pot calling this kettle black, Matt. Yeah. I mean, Donald Trump is afraid that he's going to be irrelevant. It, it looks quite likely that his uh, endorsed candidate for uh, uh, Georgia governor tomorrow, uh, David Perdue, is going to lose by a wide margin. And we have other primary elections uh, on both the Republican and Democrat side, but of course the only interest is in the Republican side right now because uh, we're looking at who Trump has endorsed and who is he opposed. Uh, I think he's desperate. Uh, he had a spokesman uh, come out and say these things yesterday, but I think that a lot of people are ready to move on, given a really quality Republican conservative candidate who uh, who has the same uh, positions on issues that Trump uh, 
does or did, but uh, doesn't have the baggage. Okay, Marion, it's been a few years since Professor Jeffrey Sachs was a guest on this program. He's yeah. been on the program a few times, and I suddenly see he's reemerged because he has claimed that American experiments may have contributed to the emergence of COVID-19, and he wants an independent inquiry into whether the virus leaked from an American lab. Yeah, you know, I'm really fascinated by this because it was a paper that he co-wrote with with a colleague of his, and he's saying basically that that um, the virus, I, based on the fact, I think, that the wet market in Wuhan, where we know the virus originated, is about eight miles from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Now, the, as I say, the seafood market is very near that. And he wrote in the PNAS journal, and um, basically that the research proposals show that there, the collaboration was involved in the collection of a large number of undocumented SARS-like viruses, basically what he says in a very wordy document that I, I've only gotten halfway through, um, is that that the, the US, the National Institutes of Health, were working with China um, in, in, you know, manipulating viruses and, and that they think that a lab worker may have become com- contaminated. However, I see a lot of maze um, that in, in what I've read so far and not a lot of evidence. You know, all of this was, was reported or rumoured widely before about a year ago that um, it had escaped from this laboratory and and uh, th- then that was kind of shut down. He's now saying again that the PREDICT project, which was a, a joint US-China project which sought to identify viruses that had the potential to, to zootropic, I think they're called, where they can move from animals to humans um, and that they were sequencing them and archiving them and all kinds of things and that the, the, that the China failed to, issue, to reveal its database and he also says that the US okay. has done the same. Cal, who was the Archbishop of San Francisco to publicly announce that he will no longer allow the US House Speaker Nancy Pelosi take communion when she attends Mass? Well, he's not alone, uh, Matt. There have been a number of other Catholic clerics uh, uh, doing the same thing. Uh, This is not a new uh, stand for leaders of the Catholic Church. Uh, The late Cardinal John O'Connor of New York used to get into debates with Mario Cuomo when he was uh, governor of New York. Cuomo would say that his faith uh, caused him to be against the death penalty for convicted murderers, but uh, he was fine uh, being pro-choice on abortion, and that uh, caused Cardinal O'Connor to come down hard on He didn't deny him communion. Now, Pope Francis has said, of course, that uh, the uh, communion table is for sinners and shouldn't be uh, used as a political weapon. Well, he's right, half right anyway. It is for sinners, but it's for repentant sinners. Uh, The the Archbishop of San Francisco has said that uh, Nancy Pelosi is wrong on her position on abortion. Uh, I'm not a Catholic, but I I take them at their word, and uh, he he has said that she is not entitled to uh, redefine Catholic doctrine, and he said the Catechism of the Catholic Church uh, goes back to the first century in the protection of human life and is not some recent uh, uh, decision by the Church, as Nancy Pelosi says, in the last 400 years. Marion McKeown, what do you make of this? Oh, no, I, I don't agree with Cal at all. In fact, Cal, I'm, I'm surprised to hear you say the Pope's half right. I suspect the Pope would be would be very interested to hear your views on him being half right. Uh, the Pope's highest... Um, 
sort of theologian, uh, Louis Ladera, also agreed with the Pope on this. What the Pope said was that uh, communion, I think, is not the reward of saints, but it's the bread of sinners. And he shut this down a year ago when there were a couple of American um, archbishops and bishops who wanted to ban Joe Biden from getting communion. And he basically told him to back out and to not make the Catholic Church part of a political debate. And of course, the Catholic Church, it's an astonishing thing that a lot of people don't know, but six of the nine Supreme Court judges are very devout conservative Catholics. And a seventh, Neil Gorsuch, uh, was born and raised Catholic and later became Episcopalian. That's staggering for a country where only 20% of the population is Catholic. They really have a conservative iron grip on the court. And I think that this Archbishop, who, by the way, has had his own problems with drunk driving convictions and other things, and who has never stood up for against Trump when, when there were children in cages um, or, or other things like that, but has come out now against Nancy Pelosi and said, you know what? he could have written to her privately. Instead, he issued a public letter. He tweeted about it. And it's completely unseemly for a Catholic archbishop to wade into politics like this. I suspect that, you know, in, the IRS says that um, religious institutions cannot become involved in politics or they can lose their tax-free exempt status. And I suspect that this archbishop would want to watch himself because he's become way too political and he always has been too political. And the people of San Francisco have repeatedly called for him to be removed as their archbishop. He doesn't have many fans there. Thank you very much, Marion McKeown and Carl Thomas. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here.